My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Welcome to the next episode of the Campfires of Hope podcast. I'm here with Nate, a.k.a. Lemon. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Gail. So we're going to start today by having you tell, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and please include one fun fact. I always ask somebody for that. Yeah, well, I... um... I'm one of those guys. I, I love, uh, love family. It's funny because at one point in my life, I said I'd never have a minivan, would never live in the suburbs. And both those are true. Um, <laughs> very thankful to say that uh, uh, just been blessed with just a wonderful family. Uh, we live in Cincinnati, Ohio. So the leaves are starting to change a little bit. And Sarah and I, my wife, we have been married uh, 14 years. And we have three kids, Harper, who just turned 11, Harrison, who just turned eight, and Hattie, the youngest, uh, who is six. Awesome. That's why you have the minivan, right? Yes, It comes exactly. in handy. Exactly. It does. So give us one fun fact about you. I would probably say I've rode my bike across nine different states. And, when? and, I, That's and awesome. I hate cycling. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the crazy part. Like I'm not a cyclist, but um, somehow, some way I've biked across nine different states. Going from Ohio to where? Where'd you end up? So um, this is really kind of part of my, my journey. I, 2014, after I was diagnosed, um, I started in California and I rode to uh, Florida. Oh, wow. Uh, but before that, the the ninth state was I was doing a, a training ride and that was across Indiana. Okay. So, yeah. That's crazy. And I, I haven't been on my bike really since. since. I mean, I'll take the kids to the pool. We have like a little neighborhood pool. So sometimes I'll take the kids via bike, put them in the uh, kind of the trailer in the back, but not a cyclist. So I think that's probably the funnest fact that I can think of. Well, we'll come back to the story because it sounds okay. like it's part of your whole bigger journey. So let's start with your, your cancer diagnosis. When were you diagnosed? How did it come about? What kind of cancer did you have? Surgery, treatment, that whole part of your journey. So in the end of 2007, I started that process of being diagnosed. And I think the beginning of 2008, I was diagnosed officially. And you and had what kind of cancer? And it was testicular cancer. 
So I believe I was 24. I'm 39 now, 24 at the time, just had finished college. And I remember, I mean, life was just really good. I just brought a, a, a brand new car. I was dating Sarah, who's now my wife. And I remember kind of feeling, you know, this lump and I thought, you know, that's not good. And I'm, I am a like extreme optimist. And so I just remember laying in bed that night and I'm like, you know, I just feel like something's wrong. And I remember yeah. reaching out to a friend uh, that I played baseball with. And he was like, no, man, you're good. It's probably just like a cyst and don't worry about it. But I'm glad I listened to my internal voice. And I was like, I got to go see the doctor. And I, I mean, I had not been to the doctor in a long, long time. So I remember driving in my brand new car and trying to find my family physician. And you know, those big boulders that have like a, an address on it. Yeah. So I'm coming down this ramp and, and this is back in the day with MapQuest. Oh gosh. So <laughs> I'm looking at MapQuest and I hit this boulder and literally my bumper like falls off. Literally, oh, wait, you literally hit it with your car. I did. Yes. <laughs> smack right in the corner and my bumper's hanging off and I remember pulling into this parking spot and that's kind of how I felt was like mm. I've got a busted bumper and I'm I feel like something is really wrong so I remember going in and Dr. Diotti is doing his stuff and I heard him down the hallway and he's like heard him on the phone he's like you know this doesn't doesn't look good I'm, I'm gonna send him your way right now and so got back in my, you actually car. heard him tell that, tell, I heard him. Yeah. Wow. Like, man, shut the door because I just was What so was nervous. your reaction in that moment? You know, it's always like, I still have like this PTSD, like you're sitting on the, on the bed in those doctor offices. I think a lot of people can relate to this. You're sitting and you're waiting for the doctor. And so that was just heightened times 10 because I just heard that it came back in. And I mean, it was all, I don't remember what he said, Yeah. Um, but he's like, you're going to go see a urologist down the road. And this is kind of pathetic, but I like, I had no idea what a urologist was. And I remember going down the road and uh, I was so nervous. I had uh, a sports illustrated magazine and it was upside down. So I was like <laughs> pretending to like, read this. And they said, you know, Nate, it's your turn. So I go in and, uh, and that was a blur too. I just remember him saying, you probably have cancer. Uh, we'll need to do a few things before we know that for sure. But yeah, I got back in my, my busted new car and <laughs> driving down the road. And I'm thinking, who am I going to call? And I just remember like, I don't, I don't know who to tell, who do I tell first? And I think I called Sarah first and I just started this journey where I just, you know, really just a journey of trust. And, um, I was just all in, I mean, I didn't know what, what the alternative route was other than just, I'm all in whatever that looks like at the time. I didn't know what that looked like. So it was obviously cancer and they, they removed the testicle and, I remember the day before chemo, I walked in, Dr. Richards, my amazing doctor who's since passed away. Um, he said, Nate, there's a book you can read. Uh, it's about a woman who would wear red lipstick. And that was her way of 
of revealing or showcasing her inner spirit in an external way. Hmm. And I said, well, that's great, Doc, but I'm not going to not going to do red lipstick. But I'll think of something. <laughs> if you're challenging me, I'm in. But uh, I remember the, the next day uh, I had really long black hair at the time, starting to get a little gray. But I remember I cut a mohawk and that was my way of saying, I'm a warrior. I'm going to fight this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to back down. And I remember coming in with this mohawk and I remember uh, these light bulbs started to just turn on in my life. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, seeing how I could encourage people in a very simple way. Um, and that kind of turned into like, I want to do something to inspire people so that I can help people with their medical bills. Because at the time, mm-hmm. I was working at the Newport Aquarium, not making much money. Sarah was a substitute teacher and had some issues with my insurance. Uh, the company I was working for just got bought out. So my my out-of-pocket started over again. And uh, the next big light bulb was was Sarah, actually. She was not making much money, nor was I. And there was a CAT scan. I think it was like three, $400, which is, at the time, that was a ton. Still is. And uh, she paid for that. And mm-hmm. I remember being so moved. I mean, we loved each other at the time, but I just was so moved that she did that for me. I looked at her and I said, I promise that... I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do this for other people. And I had this vision that people would get a letter in the mail to say, your debt has been paid for. Um, Not that I did it, but I just wanted to get the anonymous, like your debt has been paid for. And so that turned into this whole thing where it's just like, I felt like this really strong calling to ride my bike across the country. So that's how uh, that came in. So that's how that happened. And I, we had $88,000 in debt, medical bills and student loans and car payments. And I was like, first, I got to pay for that. I got to pay that off. We did that in like four and a half years. And I still don't know how we did that. But we did that, <laughs> bought a bike with cash. And then I just started this whole thing where it's just like, I hate this, but there's nothing more than I hate the people who are going through this. So I felt like I was going back into the war zone to help yeah. people to say, Hey, I'm coming back for you. So I cold called Cincinnati Children's Hospital and I said, I, I just want to raise as much money as I can pay for people, people's medical bills. And long story short, I could only do about 50 miles a day before my knee would just start to really hurt. And so I remember going out to California, uh, San Diego knowing I could only do 50 miles a day and I had to do a hundred back to back to back to back. I mean, it would take 40 days. And I did a video each day for for kids at Cincinnati children's and said, it's, you know, going through cancer, it's, it's one day at a time for me, it's one mile at a time. So I always try to have like a parallel what they're going through, what I went through. And, you know, there's no, there's no fear in love. And so I never had any knee issues and I did it because I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about them. And it just, changed my life. So how long after your, so as you said, how long after you got out of the fire of your treatment, did you go back and do this uh, bike ride? So it was, it was probably like five years and it was helpful because every night, I mean, every minute of the day, I was constantly thinking about this and it just helped pull me away from me 
And I think that's where I started to be like, you know what? I'm more than a survivor. I'm a thriver. And that, that ingredient to do that was thinking about other people. And so um, I, I felt like that really kind of sharpened my, my sword, if you mm-hmm. will. And that was kind of the first chapter of this journey. And so, so thankful I did that because it really started to define what adventure is in my life. And it kind of gave me that posture. It's like, I'm ready for a challenge. I'm ready to go on just like cancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm ready to fight this thing, whatever it is. And that has just led me to really green pastures in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the, your cancer journey in particular, when you were diagnosed and you were trying to decide who do I call and all that, how did that diagnosis at 24 years old impact you? How did it affect your relationships specifically with Sarah? But if you have siblings and your parents, Hmm. like, how did it, obviously you, you afterwards took life by storm. And even it sounds like before you went into treatment, cutting that mohawk, you did. But were there significant, um, I don't know, internal battles that you went through during treatment itself and in the way you related to those around you? Yeah, I I remember feeling like uh, at the time that was just so young and everyone's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it just like the world was was falling apart. And I just knew at that time, even though I felt afraid, obviously, I think I was strengthened by not only my faith, but also just knowing that people were watching me. (laughs) And I knew like this was so hard on on Sarah, my mom and my dad and friends and family that it felt like there was a spotlight on me. And I wanted to bring the best out of myself to say, "I'm, I'm okay, because I knew that they were hurting. Mm-hmm. And so not that I was pretending, but I think it just brought, it brought that out of me mm-hmm. uh, to know that people I'm center stage and I, I know that they're hurting. And I, I felt like if I were to fall apart too, like that's going to make things worse. And yeah. so, yeah, just thinking about them and how hard that was, I, I really tried to bring the best out of me so they, they could see that. So then at some point you found out about epic experience, right? Yes. Prior to that, what was life like? Like, were you searching for something like epic? Were you just kind of going on with life, you know, earning money for kids or, or people who need help with their bills? Like what was life like for you before you actually went to epic? Well, that was such a high when I, when I did the bike ride, I remember getting to the end and thinking that's it. Like I've been thinking about this for five years and it was incredible, but the best part of that was the grind. And that's Mm -hmm. the part that I remember the most was the hardest parts and overcoming that adversity. But when I got done, I was like, this isn't the finish line. I, I want to help people still. And I, so I remember I, I was at the Cincinnati zoo. I did corporate events there and a friend of mine said, Hey, you got to come work at the Marriott. You can, you know, you climb the ladder and all that. So I, I did that. And that ultimately was a mistake. I mean, it maybe not, but I, it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, every day I would do my sales calls at the end of that I'd call four or five nonprofits and, and say, Hey, here's my story. I want to help. 
so that led me to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and that's where I'm at currently. And so I, I continue to help people uh, with cancer. But uh, in 2018, the day after Christmas, so life was good. Mm-hmm. Life was really good. Still a thriver. I lost my dad to mm-hmm. lung cancer. And um, that brought me to a low. And that was like exponentially more difficult than me going through cancer. Mm-hmm. And so since 2018, that December, I was in a rut, like a really bad rut. I was mm-hmm. going through the grieving process and that sort of mohawk was gone. It was yeah. not there. I, I sort of forgot who I was. And so um, I'm trying to find Nate in all this, like, how do I get back to, to that guy? And I just was really struggling. And, and a friend of mine who I've mentored, who had testicular cancer, uh, a wonderful friend, one of my best friends, Matt Stockwell, he told me about Epic Experience. Mm. And I was like, eh, not interested, busy kids. I didn't know anything really about it. Yeah. But I felt like something on the inside was like, you have to go. And Mm. so I bought a plane ticket not knowing really anything about it. Matt didn't really know much about it either, but thank God he said something. And, and I went, and that's where that sort of next chapter uh, started for me and in, in my recovery of uh, being a thriver uh, because I was really, I was in a bad spot before Epic Experience. So given that, what expectations did you have? Did you think of it, even though you didn't know anything about it, did you somehow think, this is going to be the thing to jumpstart me, or I hope it is like kind of, what did you go? Yeah, it was more of a hope. It was, it, it, it sounded awesome. I love the name and I love adventure and I knew there were pieces of that, but I didn't know like it, it, for me, like for, for me is like, man, I don't know if I really want to go and share my feelings and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of nervous about that aspect, yeah. the adventure part I've got. Right. And so, but I didn't know like if the adventure part was going to be enough to really fill that bucket, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be kind of like bowling with the bumper? I don't know. Like, I, I just didn't know if it was going to be challenging. Yeah. And I didn't know if I really wanted to open up with a bunch of strangers. So, but I still had that like prevailing hope. It's like something inside of me is like, you have to do this. And uh, so I remember buying a plane ticket and yeah. So what happened when you got there? I remember just loving the adventure of not knowing what was going to happen. I remember being at the Denver airport and these people, it's like being in a movie and these characters start to show up. (laughs) And so uh, one by one, they just come out of nowhere. And that was exciting. And I didn't know still what to expect and found a connection through all the guys uh, simply because of cancer. I mean, that's such a strong bond. So hit it off with everyone right away. Still a little nervous. I think everybody was, but mm-hmm. I remember getting in the, in these, these like SUVs and, you know, it's like, we're going and I, we didn't know where we were going and I don't want to share too much because I want people to, <laughs> to experience what I did, but had no idea where we were going. And I just remember having that conversation of like, you know, identity. And, and I remember fuzzy 
uh, was like, all right, you guys have to come up with like a, a trail name. And I mean, everybody in my car was like silent forever. And Fuzzy was like, <laughs> all right, guys, you got to figure out a name. You know, this we're not going to call you Nate. We're going to call you by your trail name. And so I was thinking of that. And, you know, eventually I, I found one that I, I still, it's, it's a powerful thing to me to this day because it's more than just a name. It's, it's an identity and it's a reminder of who I am. And so I thought that was just like that to start that way, I really set the tone. It was, it and was your nickname the, is uh, my nickname is lemon, not the most like, you know, manly or whatever, but like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, being in such a bad place with my dad, I, I really started mm -hmm. to get in better shape and started drinking lemon water. And, <laughs> and I think, uh, that was a part of it, but the cool thing was like, even though I said, all right, I'll, I'll go with lemon. The cool thing was like, subconsciously my whole life, I think a part of my identity is like turning a negative into a positive, like with <laughs> cancer, you know what, I'm going to turn this into helping people. I'm going to turn mm -hmm. this into having like the best adventure of my life. And so lemon to lemonade is that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's perfect. When I have my lemon water in the morning, I remember mm -hmm. fuzzy. I remember wingman. I remember all these amazing lovely, incredible people that I met mm -hmm. at one of the one of my favorite adventures in life. And so it's a very power. It was a powerful way to start the week. How did it go with sharing your feelings during the week? Um, it was good. There was a lot of things I felt like, because I think of the profession that I'm in, I'm good at getting that stuff out of people because I kind of coach people on fundraising and all that. And so a lot of that is uh, it's not sharing stats. It's sharing your mm -hmm. story. That's that realness is what resonates with people. And so I'm good at getting that out of people mm -hmm. and putting words to your emotions is healing and, and being vulnerable builds trust. Like I knew all that stuff, but like, I still wasn't like, I didn't really want to do it, but it was such a safe place that when we'd have our small group and our large group, it just, it was, it was honestly easy to do because mm -hmm. the guys around me were opening up and it just was like a natural thing. And there's things that I realized that I do wear a mask mm -hmm. and to be loved. Um, it was really powerful that the guys around me, everyone around me loved me for, for who I am and didn't have to like earn that or like, one up it just was cool to just be authentic and real and and know that other guys have been on the same path of, that I have been on and it mm -hmm. was uh it was really healing and it it, yeah. it was refreshing to my soul to do that yeah I'm sure you took a lot away from camp but if you could narrow it down to one thing that you have taken away and continued living out in some way what would that be? A good friend of mine gave me a book. It, it was, I think it's the greatest and think it's somewhere in the office, but it's the greatest gift. Um, and in that book, it's a short book. It's, it's about being present with people. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's always been hard for me. It's like, I'm constantly thinking about the next email or the next meeting or the next joke or like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And 
so I read that book and I knew that was like the greatest gift you can give yourself and other people, but like the application of that on this trip, I had a major breakthrough and that was being present, uh, to not worry about tomorrow, to not worry about what's going to happen later that day is to just be fully present with people and yourself. Mm -hmm. And I still do that. I I'm in less of a rush, um, in the mornings, I'm more present with my kids and Sarah Mm -hmm. more present when I'm having lunch with someone, I just am fully there. I'm fully all in. And that's something that really, um, has been the, by far the biggest takeaway for me because that's language awesome. for me was that adventure that speaking that language in a way that I could understand, um, really kind of brought that lesson to full circle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Is there anything I haven't asked you either about your cancer journey, about Epic that you would want someone listening, whether it's someone who's a survivor or someone who's a caregiver, they would want them to know. Yeah, I would say we, we all have had trauma, especially people um, who've gone through this caretakers, everyone involved and everyone deals with it so differently. Like for me, my dad was like the, that was the trauma in my life um, to lose. I mean, my dad was like a, a massive tree and I miss his shade that he gave in, in, in my life and he is irreplaceable. And so that was traumatic for me and it, and it still is. And so I think people need healing and I think you can even grieve for yourself. Like having gone through that's traumatic to go through, you know, what we have and, and sometimes a book or a friend, it's not going to kind of complete that grieving process. You need to go outside your comfort zone. And I would just encourage people uh, who are listening to this that are on the fence, just understand that there's a a power with yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times like that healing is out there, but you have to travel to it. You have to, you have to fight for it. It's not Sometimes you just can't open a book or talk to a friend. You have to go on this epic adventure Mm -hmm. to find it. And it's like this, uh, it's a, it's a diamond and it's, it's worth pursuing. And I just encourage people to just, to just open up the door and the airplane and jump because there is a safety net and the incredible people with epic experience are there to catch you. They're there to catch your heart. And it's, uh, it'll be the best adventure of your life. Awesome. All right. One more very important question. Marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy. Well, I'm offended. I've got a friend who we're going, I'm going camping this weekend. I'm offended when something just, yeah. When people put it in there and it catches on fire and they blow it off. I'm like, dude, so wrong. Like, Really? Yeah. Wow. It's so I think be we have slow a slow and steady. And steady. All right. It's the process that makes it more tasty. Like you have to like, you know, you got to get it golden brown. I mean, that's definitely by far the best way to do it. So many lessons there. You got to be patient. You got to stick yep. it in there. Let it, let it marinate, take its time. I love it. Exactly. What about you? 
I would say Flaming Crispy. So I obviously really? okay. offended you. Yes. All right. Well, I Gail, I like you. Maybe I, uh, <laughs> I won't be so critical. Of those. There you go. See, we all learn something new every day. Awesome. Nate, that. thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts, being vulnerable, sharing, you know, kind of your struggles and, and how you've come through it and how you're turning those lemons into lemonade. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Gail, for having me. All right. Catch you all next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Father time.